AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldus.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. You're listening to AI in Action. I'm your host, JP Valentine. Our guest today is Slater Viktorov. Slater is the CTO at Indigo. Slater, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's our pleasure. So Slater, let's start with yourself, background of where you got started in technology. Talk us through your journey. Yours is a little bit unique, so it'd be interesting to hear about the origins of Indigo when you got started and take us up to the launching of the company. I started Indico. We're a very traditional dorm room company, and I'll talk a little bit about what I think makes us unique. And I would love to be able to sit here and tell you that me and, and my co-founders, we sat there in the dorms as these brilliant young entrepreneurs, and we traced out every point in our journey, and we've just been executing all that ever since. But frankly, nothing could be further from the truth. You know, when I showed up at undergrad, uh, I had never owned my own computer, let alone written a line of code. I believed entrepreneurship was a euphemism for unemployment. So things, you know, changed pretty drastically for me once I showed up at school. And, and I I did go to the Olin School of Engineering, which is a very interesting, small elite engineering school out in eastern Massachusetts in, in Needham. And what makes it particularly interesting is, A, every engineer that goes there is effectively forced to get a design minor, which is very interesting. And also, almost all of the education is project-based. So that means your typical class is going to be lectures and labs for the first half, and then this unbound project where you can throw infinite time into it for the second half of class. So that environment was really well. It's got a lot of crazy stats in terms of the, the success of entrepreneurs coming out of Olin. And I think that project-based mentality really bred that in, in me and my co-founders. The genesis of Indico really was a Kaggle. And way, way back in the day, this is really where it started is in some of the, I want to say the first year the Kaggle was launched. You can actually see us on some of those classic competitions. We were sophomore Olin hackers, and then we were junior Olin hackers. And that's really where things started. So Alec Radford, who would go on to be my co-founder, just reached out one day and said, hey, I heard you're pretty good at AI. I'm doing these Kaggle competitions. Do you want to compete together? And again, neither of us realized it at the time, but I think in so many ways, that was what set us on the journey to, to found Indigo. And I, at the time, this was 2012, call it, I had some, some early success in what I would call traditional ML techniques in the NLP space. And so of course, as a sophomore in college at that point, I knew everything. Uh, in fact, I said to one of my professors at the time, the war is over and deep learning lost in 2012. Now, I'm eating crow in a very big way now, obviously. But I think in 2012, what a lot of people don't realize is that, that wasn't a particularly strange point of view to have. And so when we started doing these Kaggle competitions, Alec, he, he certainly had a lot more foresight than I did uh, in terms of the applicability of deep learning. And for the first six months or so, the traditional techniques were working really well. I was feeling very good about my point of view. But then things started to change. AlexNet came out. GPUs were getting more accessible. The libraries to actually put deep learning onto GPUs and get those performance benefits. These were all becoming radically more accessible. And then a crazy thing happened, which is that it felt to me that overnight, all of my techniques became useless. I would try and I'd push and push against the incredible benchmarks being set by these deep learning techniques. And I just couldn't do it. Like everything in my bag of tricks, I, I would expend. And I just, I couldn't beat them. 
And I'm a pretty competitive person. So after a few months of just losing nonstop, I'm like, sucks. It's time to switch teams. And then, <laughs> yeah, then what, then what we tried to do is we tried to bring that out into industry. And we found that while deep learning, we both very much believed in the technology. We saw what it could do. But working in an academic scenario was just so far apart from what it actually took to make this technology work in the enterprise. And, and trying to solve that problem, trying to get to the heart of this, how do we democratize this incredible technology and put it in the hands of people that can most be benefited by it? That was the founding genesis of Indico, really, in, in so many ways. Now, the way in which we tackle that has changed drastically. Indico V1, the most ambitious possible thing we could think about was making static deep learning models available to developers, things like sentiment analysis, topic modeling, that kind of boring traditional stuff. Indico V2, which is this enterprise product, the current version of the business, we'll get into it in some detail, but it, it really was starting from this idea that that first idea wasn't bold enough and that our goal actually should be to make this technology fully transparently in the hands of non-technical subject matter experts. And again, doing it in a way that really empowers them and that they understand what they're doing, but also make sure that they're developing in a responsible way. And, and, that, and thank you for that background, because I think the origin story of Indigo is so crucially important for our audience of, of academics who see so many different paths to starting their career in industry, some going down the route of work for a, a big organization, others try their hand at a startup, and then there's some who just jump straight in the deep end, which is why I, I wanted you to talk about your, your origin story. So take us to today, Indigo Data in its current version, who you are, what you do, and give us some insight into some of the use cases that you're seeing from your customers. What I like to say, and I can pick up, you know, just where I left off. Now, deep learning today, thankfully, I don't have to convince people that deep learning is, is interesting, right? Back when Indico was founded, but that was a pretty contentious point, whether or not deep learning was even worth looking at. Now today, the, the question is, is very different, right? The question is, what is interesting? What is applicable here? And, and what was the fundamental method that we chose to solve some of the structural issues in deep learning that we saw? We'll talk briefly, and this is really our, our key view into the space, if, it, if you will, is in the unstructured space, right? And just for, for sake of ease, let's talk about invoice processing. That is a use case that we solve. It's probably one of the simpler use cases that we solve, but everyone understands at least conceptually what an invoice is, so it's easy to talk about. Now, if I were to try to solve invoice processing today, there's a few ways that I could go about it. And the traditional deep learning approach would be, I'm going to get a million invoices, right? They're going to be meticulously labeled in some kind of gold standard way. And I'm going to pass that to, to some massive deep learning model that's then going to be able to do this extraction and it's gonna be awesome, everyone's happy. Now, the problem obviously is you can't get a million labeled invoices. So the question is what then? And, and there's a couple of approaches and a lot of people have opted to uh, eschew deep learning altogether. They think it, it's too difficult to get the benefits that you get. And, and, and they've got a point. Having gone through and, and actually gotten deep learning working, it, it certainly was, was quite a lot of work in this case. And what we've opted to do instead is we rely really heavily on a technique known as transfer learning. And uh, the way I describe transfer learning generically, it's the art and science of using portions of old network models to solve new tasks more quickly. Now, something I'd like to say, it's not a doctor, it's not a lawyer, it just speaks English. But it turns out that speaking English is 99% of the battle. And when you deliver a model to someone that has that basic understanding already built into it, you it almost acts like a data multiplier or somewhere between 100 and 1,000 X of the data you put in, the actual utility you're giving the model. So what that means is that rather than needing hundreds of thousands of invoices, suddenly you need 
hundreds of invoices. And that means that you've transformed the whole exercise from a massive effort in data engineering that's going to cost millions and millions of dollars of subject matter expertise that's going to be you know, very difficult to get. And it's just a, a massive endeavor to label that amount of data and to manage it. And you turn it into something that a non-technical person can do in an afternoon. 200, 200 invoices, right? It's not a trivial amount. I, from a machine learning perspective, maybe it's a trivial amount. But for a human, that still takes some real effort. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, and we built a whole product around that. The space that has, has worked really well here is the intelligent document processing space and the intelligent process automation space. It's called both. They, they re really refer to the same thing. And it's this idea of when you look at all of the unstructured data that flows through the back end of companies and invoices are a good example, but to extend that out a little bit, think loan applications, right? Think title and deed documents for homes, right? All of this information out there that is fundamentally meant for human consumption, but as our you know, appetites grow and grow for the kind of benefits you get with these data strategies, the question of how do I unlock this unstructured content and really how do I map this unstructured content to structured data that then makes all of the other sort of traditional data science that much better. And that's really where Indico sits. So Slater, you've, you've given a high-level overview of Indico now in its current form and some of the use cases. Can you speak to the, the industries that you're working with, the size of customers, and what they're coming to you for? Absolutely. So today we focus primarily in BFSI, so that's banking, financial services, and insurance. And we are focused really on the Fortune 500. When you think about the role that Indico plays, there's a couple ways to think about it. And one thing that I think people can often forget is that even when you look at the, the very top organizations on the planet, Google and Microsoft and Facebook in, in AI, and I, I'm not going to talk about how I order those, but I don't think I'm going to get a lot of disagreement that those are, are really the top three. Yeah. Now, they have tremendous supporting infrastructure for, for all of their data scientists for doing peer research. They're really good at it. The, the problem is that the link between that group and the subject matter experts that actually need to automate an invoice processing task, for instance, they're worlds apart. And the, the kind of work that it turns out you need to do to cross that barrier, it's very, it's not AI work, actually. It is first and foremost human and, and product work. And so what we have found is that organizations that adopt Indico Best are ones that see unstructured data as its own unique problem. This is the other thing to, to recognize, right, is that organizations are a hundred times better generically speaking, at dealing with structured data than unstructured data. In the pharma industry, it's not uncommon, for instance, to show up to a data science conference and they'll say, all right, the first step in all pharma data science workflows is to delete all of the unstructured data. And, and it is drastically harder to work with. So that's, I would say, probably where our customers have seen the most success, is where they've got a lot of unstructured use cases. They really see it as a competency that their organization wants to get better and better at. And maybe one, one example of just how we pour that for MetLife, I've already mentioned that they're a customer, is that they had a particular automation use case where they had to go through a bunch of structured settlement agreements, and they had to figure out which ones had workers' comp claims. I won't get into a huge amount of detail, but it's a very manual process, have to read through a lot of documents. And in about four weeks, their group of non-technical SMEs was able to create a custom workflow to do this for their process, and they saved 11,000 hours uh, of effort. And again, these are not, this is not simple work, right? These are lawyers in a lot of cases or you know, paralegals that are doing this work. And that's really the kind of experience we want Indico to, to enable whole organizations for. And it is, really, it is really built for scale. So we've got customers 
processing up to uh, a billion objects, a billion documents a year with our platform. Slater, hearing you give that one example of the amount of man hours saved really has an impact to anyone who's looking at the transition and digital transformation and how intelligent technology like this can impact their business. I, I want to now get your take on Obviously, it's been an incredible journey coming up on on eight years now as a business. I'm sure there was many milestones and challenges along the way, but focusing specifically on on the last 12 months with the the incredible growth despite the pandemic, the success that you've had, the, the recent Series B funding. When you look at where you're at as a business now and you look at what's in store, what are you most excited about for you and your group? Yeah, I think one of the things that was really interesting, thank you for all the the props. I think 2020 was in so many ways, it was a difficult year, but it was a very transformative year. When I look forward, there are several axes that I'm really excited about. One is that we're actually in a very unique position at Indico from a pure R&D and ML perspective. And I'll say documents on their face, it's not a very, it doesn't sound like an exciting problem. But what people often don't realize is that when I say document, Really what I mean is text and image information fused into one piece of data. And I think that's something that when I frame it like that, ML people start to be like, oh, wait a minute, that is actually interesting. And we don't talk about it very much, but obviously the Indico ML platform also supports text and image data separately. Uh, We've got state-of-the-art computer vision and NLP. But what's so interesting about documents is uh, this multimodal learning problem. And this is something that I've actually been talking about a lot. And I think this is probably going to be one of the key drivers of innovation in the AI space in the next five to 10 years. It is already starting, but I think that trend is going to continue for the next five to 10 years, shall I say. And that's this idea, I I really like the example of drinking a cup of coffee, is when I drink a cup of coffee as a human, it's very simple, I don't even think about it, but many different systems in the body have to come together to do that appropriately. I have to be able to sense temperature, I have to have a sense of where my arm is, I have to have my vision system on exactly where the coffee is. All of these things have to come together seamlessly, but I don't even think about it as a human. Now you think about instead drinking a cup of coffee as a purely visual task. Imagine if your arm were completely numb, right? Imagine if you had no sense of taste, no sense of smell, right? No sense of temperature. And you can see very easily how you take a problem that is trivial and and make it nearly impossible. And you know, that's not to say that you you couldn't figure out some way of doing it as a purely visual task, but it's much, much harder. And I actually think that's something that is endemic to, to all of AI, right? Is that right now, if you look at, for instance, computer vision and NLP, the idea is that NLP works on text, right? Computer vision works on images and never the twain shall meet. And we've gotten so good at those individual streams that there's not a lot of advantage to be gotten from continuing down those single modality streams. And I think that's one of the huge potentials in documents, right? Is that you do have to reason across text and image Right, you have to build novel architectures that don't just combine them after the fact. It actually has to happen in the model. And and I think that's, uh, it's a gateway for a fundamentally new view of supervision in ML. So on the R&D side, I just think that's, it's incredibly exciting. It makes it really easy to get up and and come to work every day. And I think another thing that's that's just worth noting is that I frame it largely as an R&D problem, but what is easy to forget is that when you're talking about these massive compute loads, when you're talking about the really unique data profiles that have to flow through the application, when you talk about novel methods of supervision, right, or even representing this multimodal data might be a novel problem in and of itself. Every single one of those pieces of complexity 
has repercussions for the rest of the architecture. And when you've got that sort of echoing out across the rest of the architecture, it means that you run into really interesting problems in any sort of technical role, or, or frankly, even on the messaging side as you get to the go-to-market side. But it's just such an interesting problem space. For sure, for sure. I want to focus now, Slater, on the team, the people, how you've gone about building such a successful team, getting the balance of engineers and scientists, and, and give us some insight into what it's like to be part of, of the data team at Indigo. Totally. So I always like to approach interviews and talent as a two-sided activity from the very start. So Indico is extremely non-typical on how we build our team. A couple of things, but it's worked very well for us. First and foremost, we're extremely upfront about compensation and benefits. We want to clear that as quickly as possible because if there's a mismatch, let's save everyone's time. The second thing, our first call is very often going to be someone almost trying to convince you that you shouldn't work here. And that's maybe not fair, but we really want to make sure that you understand the pluses and minuses of working at Indico. And to us, if we get on that first call and the only thing we're doing is selling to these candidates, we're doing both of our both of us a disservice. And so we work really hard to get through any hard stops or anything like that very early in the process, which is very different. The second thing is just that we keep our bar incredibly high for, for pretty much any role we have. We require a fully unanimous decision across the entire hiring committee, right? Every single person that, that met that person has to like them. And we also require further that for any hire we're going to make, someone on the team actually has to volunteer or sponsor, which so the way that we think about it is, yeah, everyone should be happy to work with this person, but also at least one person should be willing to vouch for them. So we do look for at least one of those connections and that serves to be also a, a mentor, right? Or just someone that we know is then going to help that person once they come aboard. But those are a couple of things that we do that have made a really big difference for us. Uh, and it's a great insight into how you've gone about building it in a good culture, good working culture is that people are willing to buy into others and support them along the way. Final question from me then, Slater, staying on the topic of the team and growth, Indigo are expanding. You're, you're constantly growing as a business. So speaking to an audience of data professionals, what opportunities are there going to be at Indigo in the year ahead for people to come on board and join the team? So obviously on the technical side, I think I've done a good job of teasing a lot of what's really important to us there. I will say, no disrespect to anyone, you hear a lot of the stuff that we're working on. Our research side is a very kind of rarefied group, right? So we're highly selective on, on peer research group. I think what's more interesting for most data professionals, because basically every role at Indico involves data science in either a light or, or a significant way, and it's actually very common for, for a lot of our other roles to be former data scientists. I would say that solutions engineering is an absolutely awesome space to be in. It, it sets you up to be a master architect of ML, right? You get really good at understanding how do I go from business problems to an ML framing? And I think that is a skill that people criminally undervalue. I think that's actually going to be one of the key kind of durable skills uh, going forward into the future. Also, just fundamentally on the back end, if really large scale data pipelines with unique resource consumptions and, and just tricky problems are interesting, we've got those problems in spades. And then obviously, when you start thinking towards visualization and user experience and those things, we are in many ways trying to redefine the way that we do supervision in machine learning. And that means that the set of user experience challenges we've got and novel user experiences that we have to design and deliver is huge. It's actually 
way out of scale for a small company our size. So I would say those are a few areas that I think are really interesting. There's obviously other opportunities at Indico as well, but I think those would probably be the most interesting to this audience. Slater, thank you so much for coming on today and talking to us about the origins of Indico, your journey, what you guys are doing, the impact it's having on the industry, and then the insight into your team, how you've gone about building it, leading it, managing it, and the types of opportunities available. Very exciting. Sounds like a great uh, sandbox for people who are passionate about all things tech. A lot of exposure, a lot of impact, and we're excited to see what you guys can accomplish in the years ahead. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. AI in Action is brought to you by Aldus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Aldus offer an exec search program. Aldus can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. For more information, contact mark at aldus.com. Get the Aldus advantage. Become a member of the Aldus community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston, and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all its members. And don't forget our AI in Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career, and more. Become an Aldus member and get the Aldus advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldus.com. That's www.aldus.com. Aldus International, empowering through AI.